You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Hog of Liberty Podcast. This is episode number 202 of East Century Nation's favorite podcast. Jeremiah Morrill here, joined by my forever co-host, Dakota Davis. Today's episode features the two of us, and we are joined by producer slash uh, also forever co-host, Mr. <laughs> Zach Bertram. What a promotion. And then also sitting to my left, the camera's right, the founder of the We Are Libertarians Network, the network that this show is on, Mr. Christopher Spengel. Thank you. It's lovely being here. I see Danny's already in the comments. Yep. We're going to be talking to Chris today about our yearly review, how we've been doing on the show, what he thinks about this show, uh, whether or not he'd think we'd be make it, we'd make it to four years long. Uh, we're also going to talk about some police and some violent interactions that have been happening with the police and uh, kind of the media's reaction to that as well. And then also a local topic that we've been covering, a uh, statewide issue, though, is House Bill number 1381 dealing with uh, renewable energy sources in the state of Indiana. Uh, we'll be giving you a update on that, so make sure you stick around until the end of the show. The show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh, but hopefully you'll always learn something new. And if you join the Patreon, oh my God, we learn something about all of us. Mm -hmm. that's right patreon.com slash boss hog of liberty that is where you can go to support the show on a monthly level the tiers start at five dollars a month and they go all the way up to eighty dollars a month um we give you all kinds of uh extra content if you sign up at patreon.com slash boss hog of liberty there are different tiers you get different rewards for each of the tiers uh, you get access at any tier to our secret Facebook group, which is only for Patreon members. You also get access to a special bonus episode at the start of each and every episode that we do. And you get access to the show notes before the show starts so you can follow along in real time and see what we are reading off of. And sometimes there's some links in there. Like today we have a link uh, to an Indie Star there's article about link. House Bill 1381. <laughs> it's really, really the only link that really. we needed for this conversation. Uh, when you invite your leader in, you know you can have something planned, but it's not going to work out that way. No. What, what the hell is the point? Why, why, why bother? We're going to have a fun conversation. The reason we bother is because we promise it to the Petro people on That is Patreon. true. It's exclusive content that they get. They find um, out at the same time as producer Zach does. You can also, you can also go back in the right. secret feed and check out some of the old uh, like tinfoil time episodes. That's right. You can. Back yeah. in the day. Those are those, still Those there. are still there. Yeah, I saw them. We never delete anything. No. We also live stream the video in the Facebook group. So it's just like this. Uh, you get basically, and to this week we tried Vegemite. We talked about, um, one of us loved it. Yeah. One we, of us has still, bad taste. We're not going to, just a little bit on my lips. <laughs> we're not going to say who it was that loved it. You'll have to join and find out. Uh, there were a lot of complaints about it, my toaster. <laughs> yeah, there were. And we also talked about hog testicles. So. <laughs> a lot of testicle talk. Well, yeah, a lot yeah. of testicle Little talk. Little Danny oh. talk. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> it, the drinking game, the drinking word for the night on 
on Patreon was testicle. <laughs> yeah. You would be you'd be gone. unconscious right now. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. If you sign up at patreon.com slash boss hog of liberty at more than fifty dollars a month, damn, then you get a shout out at the front of each and every episode. Those folks are our favorite liberty lover up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. That is Miss Christy Avery. Oh, she's the best. She's yes. incredible. Then we have our favorite car dealer in all of Indiana. I'm just gonna say all of Indiana, the oh, whole state. In the nation. Yeah. Andy Moore, Buick GMC, and Fishers. Mr. Jonathan Phillips. I got a real conf- compliment on my my GMC that I bought from Andy Moore today from Dear Leader. Oh, I love uh, whatever. It's like it's a black the, Jeep with the black it's wheels. The, it's, it's the like, GMC Terrain, black beautiful. edition. Yeah. You haven't even seen the sunroof. That sunroof goes on for miles. I love it. I don't know where the sunroof goes. It just keeps, it's like damn near a convertible. My car has a sunroof and it's like, it's not like the sunroof my parents had where it was like this much crack. It's like, it's the whole top of the car. It goes, it goes on forever. Things are really getting better in this country. I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) And then the biggest fan that we have of by monetary donation, Mr. Chris Lamb. Huge fan of the show. We're a fan of his. Round of applause. Brought us, our, uh, brought us our shot glasses, our IMS shot glasses and barware. And he's brought us cigars. Every time he's been on the show, he's, br- he's brought us cigars. Yes. Which I just uh, part- do want to give a shout out to Hody Johns, who has apparently right. found his credit card number again, and he has rejoined the Patreon. He deleted us. He, the man that ruined Dave Smith's reputation. <laughs> yeah. That Hody. Hody Johns of Utah is back, and uh, and uh, Mark Rutherford is I think two or three weeks in now. Nice, back, back in the program. So we've had we have some celebrity. We also Patreon had, members. We had uh, yeah we uh, the We Are Libertarians Network. Evan McMahon, the state chair, Lucy Brenton, the vice chair, uh, Mark Rutherford. They all joined the the Indiana Libertarians. It, we're we're all getting along. It's great. Nice to see. Huh. Doing great. See how long that lasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I plan to fist fight Evan later this week. But. Uh, hopefully it's a fundraiser. Yeah. <laughs> we also have T-Chip stores. That's where you can go to get your Boss Hog of Liberty merchandise. T-Chip.com slash B-H-O-L one, two, three, four, or B-H-O-L mug. Uh, producer Zach is putting the links to all of those in the chat on the live stream right now. So you can just go ahead and click on the link and it'll take it to whatever piece of apparel you desire bho4 is the masks but uh, we're probably going to be deleting that next week because uh, indiana is a free state now and uh we are yeah, but it's voluntary not going to support it anymore I, I didn't wear a mask into the pizza king me either I, was, I wore mine i'm not fully vaccinated like you posers over there who say oh i got my card uh i, I, I i've I, got i've got three weeks for him i'm in the clear and I, I care about the people around me, so I, I wear it. I literally, like in Indianapolis, you pretty much wear your mask everywhere. Like everybody still wants you to wear one. Yeah. But I walked this up to like, the, This is like tourism where you're like, ah, I'm going to Florida. Screw <laughs> right. those people. I'm not wearing my mask down here. It's the Wild West. I've been to Florida. You come to Henry County, like, ah, I literally masses. I, my car was like 14 steps away and I had forgotten my mask. And I was, I literally stopped and I went, this is Henry County. And what do I need to wear? Like nobody, I walk in, there's two boomers sitting in the lobby, no mask on. I'm like, I feel at home. You should move here. I told you there's one house left. That's reasonably priced. Now there's, there's the last one when it's gone. Property values in the Henry County are jumping to $70,000 a home. Here. Listen, it's, it's my wild. taxes have gone up 83% since the Chad Malakot administration. began. Well, listen, this year there's a little box on my property taxes that says, uh, Assessed personal property value. 
right? Personal property value. I don't know what that means. But last year it was $500, and this year it's $6,300. What? Yeah. You're kidding. You got something on your property there, Tax Neon. Did you move the Doughboy on your property? <laughs> Boy. I can neither confirm nor deny. You could only wish. The only thing I can think of is I we had the exterior of the house. Like, we had new shutters and the gutters or that, right. And I mean, that's like 2007 seven stuff. Like, literally, like, my friend Ed, uh, rest in peace, Ed Angleton, his... his Jeopardy house, champion. Jeopardy champion. He his house in, you know, near near um Mass Ave went from like four hundred dollars a year to ten thousand dollars a year in property taxes. And it's why Bart Peterson unbelievably lost in two thousand seven. It's why I mean Mitch fin- finished in kind of an unpopular position. I mean it, property taxes can't go up like that. People can't afford that stuff. It is ridiculous. Yeah. The only reason I got by is because of those stimmies. <laughs> <laughs> well, state and local employees were the hardest hit in COVID. They By were the, the way, did Greg Pence get you your stimulus check yet? Did you guys hear Mike Pence had a, a pacemaker put I in today? I did see that today, yeah. yeah. I but mean, you, you dodged my question. Oh, oh, yeah. So shout that- out to Greg Pence's office because they have, I, I wish I knew her name, but she is an incredibly smart staffer. But you, but you forget names, little I people that help you. Like Zach. <laughs> no i so you post i'd never got my stimulus i didn't get two or three okay number two or number three right right and so so i tagged you you were complaining and number one and so i tagged i had a office. long i wasn't complaining it's called a gag look it up maybe this show be funnier and so i had this long running bit where i called trump a feckless b-word get me my money i tag him on facebook right. and i'd be like you're running your mouth for a guy who owes me a thousand dollars or you know or something like that or less holding the bible upside down more getting me my money and so in number two i was doing that and it was joe biden so of course i've got to like keep the joke going right about joe biden um, you number three. And you tag Greg Pence. Oh, this is number two. Yeah, this is Pence's. I tag Pence and his office. Help me. Yeah. And this very smart staffer sees that I'm in the media and reaches out. Hey, let me help you. They go through the whole Mariga role. I fill out this paperwork. I was trying to get you audited by the IRS. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she helped. She got in touch with the IRS and they came back and they explained like because I had filed a paper return and I filed it by How the October. How old are you? I, there was a whole, it's a whole thing. I couldn't file electronically for some reason. Throw the notes away. We're going to get into this. Explain to me what happened. I literally don't know. I haven't, <laughs> I don't do my taxes. I have people that do that uh, for me. Okay. Like I am, I'm too That's dumb. Rich people. Say. You write to check at the grocery store too. I'm literally too dumb to do my own taxes. And I would, I like, I can't write off a hundred percent of what I spend my money on. So I have people that protect me legally because as a libertarian podcaster, I don't, I don't mess around. I pay all my tax. Like I literally had one boss who get, was sending me a 1099 and he's like, Hey, uh, I want you to know, like, I will turn this into the IRS. It's like, are you saying that you think I won't claim this income on my taxes? Because that's exactly what I'm saying because yeah. you're a libertarian. I'm like, I'm the, I'm, I'm not messing around. Like, yeah. Uh, I'm not playing with snakes. No, exactly. Because my parents were small business owners. My dad had his entire business shut down for three months because of $75 worth of uh, sales tax he didn't owe. So like they come after small business owners and, and you know, I'm sure I'll get audited at some point. And so I want to be, you know, do the right thing and be legal, I guess. And so I have to file a paper return. I And I never file on April 15th. Those bastards are getting my money October 15th. I file the extension. 
they that I want my money longer. And so I didn't file my tax returns. I forgot to sign it too. So I still have not filed my 2019 <laughs> taxes. I have missed out on both of those. And it's Greg Pence's office that educated me about this. So I want to thank that staffer who did a, a whatever, lovely whatever, job of whatever her out. name, his or her mate name may be. Um, I don't want to put her on blast. Mostly I don't remember, but it was, she was, I don't want to put her on blast as I'm thanking her. I wish Libertarian I, podcaster. Thanks, I wish I could. Yes. Ends her career. No, I mean, listen, there, just because I'm a libertarian, a big deal. just because I'm a libertarian, it does not mean that I think that people who draw a government paycheck are evil people. A lot of people who work for the government go in with the best of intentions, be it the military, be it the bureaucracies, whatever. And then they get like 10 years into it and then they go, I'm joining the Libertarian Party. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just turning to look at Zach over here. The, the our bureau, government, our bureaucrat, government employee, our lifetime yeah. bureaucrat. Because if you look at the We Are Libertarians Facebook page, there's 100,000 people on it. The number one category of people are active military veterans. Number two is veterans. Number three is lawyers. Number four, like it's all, and the five is teachers. Like it's all people who deal with the government because they see the bureaucracy from the inside and how it doesn't work and how go talk to a teacher. Like they, they know exactly how they could do their job better, but no child left behind Washington, DC and departments of education across the countries. Uh, this country, like, make their job harder, make it worse for them. So, um, I don't know. If I'm you, never uh, mean to government employees because they're ripe for the picking to join the party. I don't know if you remember this, but the last yearly review that we did, yes, um, we had a fairly new producer. His name was Christopher Guffey. Rest in peace. That person no longer exists. I heard he died. Yes. Yeah. We and now, we have about 200 signs in the basement down the stairs that have, he's moved out of town and he's changed his name. <laughs> we need to have a Guffy burning party. Typical politician. <laughs> Got you to spend your money on him and then vanished in the night like a thief. Just trash. We have a new producer now. His name is Zach Bertram. Yes. And you were really harsh on Mr. Guffy. Yeah. Well, you've got, listen, in radio, you start at the bottom and you're treated like you're at the bottom. Because you and I, you and I had this conversation recently. We did. Yeah, we did. This, right. Like this week. When you are starting at the, you were starting out in your career and you were a man. You're an idiot. You're 21. Always. You're dumb. You don't know what you're doing. I was the worst intern imaginable for Abdul. And in radio, there's a little bit of hazing. Because in male-oriented environments, generally there's a lot of teasing. You expect people to fail. You, they have to pr- you have to prove yourself. Right. I'm sure it's the same in sales. Like there's, This is a tough business you're in. Radio is a tough business, believe it or not. Oh, my God. Dealing with, we're in radio, Zach. Yeah. Dealing with a, I'm talking about my business. We're dealing with <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of egos. You're dealing with a lot. Not the people I work with. They're all great. But in general, radio is a lot of difficult people. And so you always, as an intern, I was hazed. I was sent down... Uh, during the smoking damp band debate in 2005 to count 50 paces away from the front door of the Emmis building, our competition and Abdul and Andrew knew that that was the middle of the street at rush hour <laughs> in the morning. I didn't know that because I'm an idiot intern and I'm literally in the middle of the road. I'm going to get hit by cars. That was hilarious. It was great comedy, but you get hazed a little bit, right? And if you're going to be in a in an environment like this, if you're going to be in a friend group, you've got to stand up to a little ribbing. You got to be a little tough on people. Then people got to learn a little lessons every now and then. Or else you're going to, you know, 
in his case, get killed, or in my case, you know, you might post a meme that is not appropriate. Very, very comparable very situations. Similar, yeah, 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 right. Um, so <laughs> I have grown to respect Chris Staten, Staten as a man. The little people. As Chris, a, what was his name? As a former broadcaster. He's a family man now. I'm proud of the growth that he has made. He's a special needs dog. He's done very well for himself. It's Mason I have a problem with. Mason needs to grow up and get his th- his stuff together. Well, nobody's even seen from Mason, Mason in years around here at this point. Mason was, your li- Mason was your little buddy. Like It was I, like literally like he was your... your yeah, you'd bring him around. Yeah, vacation your, your emotional with him. support All, all of that stuff. He's, uh, he, would, he was our intern. Right. And Chris is our uh, our uh, producer and uh, intern Mason. They'd go camping and Mason would sleep in the bed at he the would foot. Bring, he would pull my boat for me. It was great. <laughs> I go somewhere, I pull the camper, he'd take the boat. No, Mason's a nice boy. I'm just teasing. And, and I, I don't think I've been mean to Zach. Zach. Not yet. Zach and I that, met. That's what the conversation was about. But I Zach's a man. Be... Zach's a man and he and I have met. How old does Zach look to you? 39 oh. and a half. <laughs> 38. He's pretty close. Yeah. yeah you, I thought you were going to get right on the head. I was over exactly. exactly one year off from 38. And I was going to say 37 as a real guess, but 39 and a half for comedy. Well, Guffy says I'm 45. Yeah. He would, he would, he plays him. Now the running joke on this show is that none of our audience knew how old Mark Brim was until it came out on the air and everybody was floored. I got more emails about Mark Brim's act. <laughs> I was shocked. 50, I thought it was a joke in the, in the 57, moment. 57, right? Yeah, that's what everybody thinks. And Mark Brim and I are the same age. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's not even a look. It's I applaud him for being that jaded at yeah. that age. No, see, Mark is... Audrey guy- once told me, she said, uh, you're about five years away from becoming Mark Brim. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had an in-person conversation with Mark in years. It was when I was executive director of the Libertarian Party. It's probably been like 2011, 2012. Yeah, it's been and, a long and, time. And he looked fairly young to me. So I, I have, he's not aged well, but it's, it's great. He's that's w- sad to hear. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, meth is tough. We, we put you bring know? Mark in, we set him down and, and he just complains and it's the greatest radio we can ever imagine. My favorite. I'm thing kidding. By Mark- the way, Mark is not on meth. <laughs> yeah. He's a university. <laughs> employee. Yeah. He's a great that. guy. Someone heard that. And they're like, Oh my God. Oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> One of my uh, favorite things that Mark Brim ever said on this show was we were talking about how he had lost a bunch of weight. Yeah. And I was like, uh, what'd you do? Just start eating right or whatever. And he said, walks and cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> That's like Chris Bowers. Did you ever hear of Chris Bowers who used to own the Morty's comedy club? Chris great. has been a show, uh, a guest on, guest the show. on the show. Great comedian. You, you know how he lost like a hundred pounds. He ate, he'd buy one of those giant bags of popcorn and that would be his meal for the day. And then the next day he would eat a mixture of Swedish meatballs and cocktail weenies. And he'd eat one meal a day at four o'clock every day. And that was his diet for six months. And I think he gained the weight back, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> was he looked great. Of course for the- he did. He crash dieted. <laughs> right. That's how it works. Mark Brim posted a picture of himself when he was younger. His kicks 96 April fool's thing. And he looks just like a friend of mine who is the same age and they don't look anything alike now. So at one point these two looked the same as an adult <laughs> And now they're unrecognized. They don't look anything alike. It's the I, I, walks in cigarettes. Mark yeah. looks great. You're 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 young. You're like mid twenties, right, yeah. Dakota? So yeah. like all your Facebook friends are young and hot still. But like, uh, did you go to public school? Yes. I'm not even going to ask Mr. Homeschool over here. Like at our, out of the sixth grade. At our age, like there are sometimes I'm scrolling through Facebook 
And I'm like, they look amazing. And then there, there are sometimes where I'm like, who's that old person? Oh my God. That's <laughs> there like is, there my is locker mate. There is a change that's <laughs> happening. And some people have, have been on a rocket ship yeah. and other people are like, God, you're yeah. doing fine. There's some people that like, like look into my brain look the same. They haven't yeah. really changed. Like any changes in their appearance since high school has been like subtle enough that I'm like, oh, they look the same as they looked in high school. My dad is like that to me. I look at my dad and he still looks like the exact same. Yeah, I got really bummed like two years ago at my brother's wedding. And I like was, it was sitting across from my wedding. I was sitting across from my parents. Shut up. And <laughs> I was like, you'll get another crack at the apple, my, buddy. My parents are getting old because in my brain they they still look exactly like they did when they were 35 right yeah yeah and yeah. i'm totally with you but it's it's harder when your parents are <sighs> oh we're know, into knee 60s. surgeries and all kinds of fun stuff now yeah with my parents let's that's talk that's about the, the police oh, we have, we're, <laughs> stuck, we're not done with our review is that all he wanted to say no, about let's us? let's just stick on fun stuff who wants i mean we can talk about that stuff but okay well yeah. let, let, we'll skip part of it because i do want to just talk about fun stuff this is bit. I don't want to get too heavy. Did you think we were going to make it four years? Yeah. Uh, here's what I will when, say. When here's we're what, gathered around my sunroom back table, trying to do episode no. one. At that point, no, because that was not only was it not good. I I very I don't know who was who else was on that. It was you, Audrey Dakota, me, and uh, uh, I think that was it. Okay, maybe so you, maybe Sarah. I think it was just. I four think of us. Sarah was there, and it was. It just didn't sound good. Once we got rid of you. I was the thing holding that together. Trust (laughs) me. Like, you know, let's be honest. You've called some horse shows at that point, but I, I'd done some podcasting in my life. And like, I was like, all right, here's it. Whenever now, when somebody pitches me a show on the network, because we're the longest running libertarian podcast. Now that some people are in jail. (laughs) Um, uh, And so, John McAfee? <laughs> no others. Um, but There's a list? There's a whole list of li- <laughs> former libertarian podcasters in jail. Um, I don't know if we're the longest, but like we're one of the longest. Like when I started in 2012. Pro- wrong. Yeah, like in 2012, it was literally like I kept a list of the other 50, you know, and there were like five that were like Tom Woods hadn't even started doing it yet. And so it's now blossomed to a point that I can't keep track of all the libertarian podcasts, let alone all the podcasts. There's, there's 2 million podcasts. Now last year it was 1 million. I mean, it's, it's, it's exploding. It's 1.9 million as of like March 1st. Yeah. Now there's like 60% of those are not active. So back when you started doing it, people would come to me all the time and like pitch a podcast because they wanted to be on a podcast network and they wanted to be, you know, and I've, I've generally turned people down because, I give shows to my friends. I'm very nepotistic with this, right? Like I liked Brian Nichols. I thought he would be a really good host. He's turning his, his thing into a really strong brand. Rimzo Martinez has worked for all these great companies, just an all-star like Trisha Stewart man is one of the funniest people. Like, but back in the day when you started it, it, people, it, I posted some high quality original content on her wall today and I didn't even get her. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was a new mother. Maybe she was busy. Um, but like when you started, it was like, Oh, Maya wants to do a show. Cool. Okay. You know, so I didn't know how yeah, serious that go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm still here. I got a call for longtime fans. Maybe none of your fans <laughs> will remember. I got a call about January 8th. <laughs> Hey, uh, you might want to take my name off of things. Bye. 
<laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so I wasn't totally sure that you would make it because like, if you put your mind to something, you're very organized and diligent about it. And like, if it, I knew you would keep doing it, I didn't know Dakota would keep doing it because you and Dakota hadn't been friends for very long. And he seemed like a solid guy. If you had asked me, would you still be doing this four years from now? Yes. Would Dakota still be doing it? No, because here's the thing. Most people get married and have kids like he has, and they like move on with their lives and do other stuff. Like all the different how, co-hosts how many you've been through. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm on literally on my seventh iteration <laughs> of we're libertarians. I mean, not, when it's I, not a joke. Whenever I get a new hobby, I get obsessed. Yeah. I get obsessed to making it the best that it can be. So yeah. That's like whenever we started and it was like two months in, I was like, all right, this is for real now. We're going to figure out how to make this sound better. Yeah. So I just read a lot. I started looking at what type of microphones we needed. And then I was like, we went and did your show. And I'm like, we need an actual studio space. Yeah. And I figured all that stuff out. And the patrons. Uh, uh, honestly, the patrons are one of the most yep. motivating factors. And then it, it is it yeah. like, uh, it was like, okay, we need all this stuff. I'd read all these things, mm-hmm. what we need, talk to you a bunch. And then it's like, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, how are we going to do this? And then we set up a GoFundMe first. Mm-hmm. Eventually it evens out. And then out, we did like- the Patreon and the, the first day that we did the Patreon, we got Hit over $200. Yeah. No, I mean, that that's the thing is the Patreon is such a huge boost. Like there are certain, it's like I talked to this guy who, who if you remember iQuest and then Lightbound, Jack Carr founded it. Um, and I got to know him a little bit and we talked a lot about podcasting and stuff. And, and he's like, you know, when you're building a business, like you're putting down one brick, you're working on that brick and then you put down the next brick and then like you look back and you see the wall and you go, Oh wow, there's this piece that made this thing and this piece that made that thing. And starting, starting the podcast is one thing, but then like putting together the website and then Patreon was the biggest bump because all of a sudden you have all these people who are fans of your work. You have a network of people that are invested, investing and and they are fans and and love it. Yeah. You have such a loyal, I don't know if I can, I try to describe this, but I don't know if I can properly articulate it. Uh, But for, over 200 episodes I've tried to, to show the appreciation to the people that make this possible. Yeah. Because it is, this is, I, I call this my golf game. I don't really go play golf. Yeah. This is my hobby and it gets paid for. Yeah. Right. I get to show up. I have incredible conversations, great friendships, and it gives us an avenue to explore topics and to learn together and to also uniquely create a, a local news source that I, that doesn't exist in this community otherwise. Yeah. And what's cool about Patreon is like, if you get something of value, you're giving something of value back to make this better. Like right. from where you started in that little board that you sold without my permission, that was mine to now having your own. Stu- it's multiplied. You have your own studio, your own lights. Like I just sent him a note for like, here, you should get these lights to make this better. And this way it's going to cost 400 bucks. Like for my Patreon, like I just had to buy $500 of, of equipment for a new podcast. And I didn't have to sweat that like right. five years ago, I would have had to go beg, you know, Jason Doolittle, Christy Avery, like, right. you know, and the, it just makes it so much better because now the quality of the next thing I'm going to do, which is called the history of modern politics. You can go to history like right out of the gate. It's going to be high quality because I'm investing in that next thing. So and it, it's great. the audience with the wall network and, and the, the BHOL show, 
the audience connected in a way that I don't know that we ever expected. Any of us did where yeah. it was, you know, it's this little niche thing and it took off to the point where it, it does pay for itself and it's, it's a, it, yes, it takes effort, yeah, but it's self-propelling. No, I mean, I mean, I don't know what you guys put into it, but I put 10 to 20 hours a week into my show and I have from the beginning and, and, and I don't make like, I make a couple hundred two, 300 bucks off of a month of profit, but like I do it because I love it. I enjoy doing it. There are times that I, I have wanted to quit and just not do it. I mean, that's natural after nine years of doing the same thing. And there's some times when you need to pivot, but the patrons make you want to keep doing it. The notes of, I love what you do. Keep you going. If I quit doing this, I know people will be disappointed. And I know I would be disappointed because I'd lose that outlet. You, you right? might need a week off here and there, but, uh, you, yeah. but you love the show, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly total dedication. right. And what but, I love about Boss Hog is that you guys, as my show has evolved into something different and a little more egg heady and like a different type of show and away from like the glory years of 2015 to 2017 that were so glorious, we had to put them behind a paywall <laughs> for all of our collective futures. Um, no freaking show. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, I wondered about that. Like, yeah. sometimes it'll pop up in my Facebook memories. <laughs> I'm like, no, all that stuff. Everything for 2018 is free, but everything from 2012 to 2018 is behind a paywall. And, and, and like, listen, those were fun times, and there was a ton of camaraderie. But there were just several different breakdowns between you know Vibbert leaving and Greg leaving, and other people and their relationships breaking down. It was just like, you know, I had to evolve it into something different. But Boss Hog has kind of kept that like fun, like you're getting events and you're getting news, but you're also just getting kind of like a fun light listen. It's collegiate, collegiate, yeah. As as opposed to, it's like, why the hell are you here, Zach? Why do you why do you enjoy this? You, we were no literally idea. we were literally next door to you, yeah. And you would watch this show, and I then think that's the only reason he likes it. And then here you are. Because he likes podcasts, Trapped. and there was one next to his house. And he's so, it was pretty interesting. That was fascinating. <laughs> and, he's, and he's so desperate to get out of his house on Thursday nights. He said, yeah, yeah. I'll be there. Yeah. yeah. And well, it got me involved in like local. I mean, it, uh, well, in local politics, I said this like, last weekend, 200 probably, is it? It's fascinating because you get to know people. Uh, one thing that's unique to Newcastle, like some people like to knock Newcastle when we talked about small town life, is that um, like I go, to, I go to city council meetings regularly. I know half the city council as in I knew them as people with not them being on city council. Like I graduated with the mayor's son. Like I can go through and tell you every, all those people. I see him around town. I saw Corey Murphy. Which one of the city councilors did the most drugs? Biggest. Knows, any of them did. <laughs> Aaron Dickon. Aaron, yeah. Aaron Dickon. <laughs> Dickon can take, I saw Dickon today. I was like, I want to thank Corey Murphy and Aaron Dickon for not hitting me while I was running this week when I saw them. Cause that's always a, a I don't know. Mayor York was a flower. Child, probably. So, yeah, I think that what what you guys have here is community, and that's what's great about the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Like all the different hosts, we fight. I don't fight with libertarian podcasters. Like I don't get into all that. Like these guys can, uh, you know, over in this caucus could do that thing and this. And like I'm out of that game, right? But like I will fight with Brian Nichols and Dennis Bate, uh, Reinhold all day long, right? You know, like I fight with you, like I, and it's because we're we have a family. Like we're having a pool party July 
15th. 17th. At your I house. thought it was a secret. It's July 47th. Um, yes. That's just for patrons. You need to join or be a co-host or something. Don't just go, don't just go showing up at my house. You need to, you need to make sure Spangle invites you. Yeah. Because everybody's flying in for, you know, this is a big deal because we have like Brian Nichols. This is like the wall convention. Like Brian is. Yeah. Like, by the way, I've been begging Corey Murphy to find a way to get me my tax abatement because my pool brings people (laughs) into this community and it's an economic driver. I'm not even going anywhere anymore. Um, Dale Melchin can't go so dale's coming from iowa hody from he utah he's not coming anymore he's coming i'm making him i uh, or else he's i feel like i need some stimulus for my pool to host that's this what thing. i'm saying i'm going to fill the steve alford all-american in with this party but it's like you know where we talk every day we're like a family with each other they're my best friends you know and i'm their best friend just the one i am your best friend i mean when you look at me you obviously know he's my best friend uh no but it, it's it's such a fun group of people and like your show more than any of the others like kind of keeps that 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 early days of wall where it was goofy and fun but also informative alive. It, I think one of the keys that makes it goofy and fun is that we are still we may be the only truly in-person show that's left. Yes. Where people that get together in yeah. person pandemic or not and we actually still get together and we talk. We did some it's, Zoom shows. We did we did about 2 months of Zoom when yeah. you, when there was a newborn baby involved for the Davis family. But we got back into the studio as quickly as we could. But I think that's one of the keys of the I agree the, ad, the of the interaction we have. We could have guests from all over the country, and people would zoom in. I've shown some people that have offered to zoom in before, and I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, yeah, they'd be awesome. But uh, we, we really so like Harry. Harry we, refused to do it anymore, and we make people come all the way out to Newcastle. And 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 Reinhold lived like an hour away, and I was just like, you know, at that point, I'd started dating Reagan, and so it's just like it. So we went Zoom all Zoom and like long before the pandemic but you're right in that it's it's, you know in my tiny apartment it's just it was just getting too oppressive um so i agree with you i think that an in-person podcast has something especially when you see each other every week you know like when when greg and aaron and you and everybody would show up with a beer and gina would show up and then you know the the anagnosis was like you'd have different people coming in all the time. And it was, it was, it was, it was like your fun hangout with your friends, but there is also a part where it's like, it gets tough as you get older and you have spouses and kids and having you know, it in yeah. a beautiful, luxurious downtown studio. That's and what not makes this in workable. Your, not in your kitchen. That's what makes this is workable deal. is you it guys have getting, your own headquarters. Yeah. Since it was in my house, it was getting exhausting. Yeah. Having people in my house every week. Yeah. The senator yeah, is in his, his, his living room waiting. I am trying to talk Remzo and Brian and Trisha and, and all of them to moving to Indianapolis. We get a studio downtown. You know, well, you're 45 minutes from a Chick-fil-A. We can't do it here. We have Wheeze, hey, When it's you get better. it, no, no, no. The Chick-fil-A Facebook Wheeze page for Newcastle has already been created. All right. When you get one, I'll consider it. Because I would love to move to a town where I can get 375,000 square feet for only $150,000 a year. That's not true for anymore. House, yeah. yeah, that was that's 20 that was like 2019. It's it's, it's it's gotten crazy. No, I mean my mom just sold her house in an hour 10 above list price. Yeah. I have another friend who they they sold their house in 7 hours. Yeah, the the age of the cheap Newcastle real estate is is in the is in the rearview mirror. I want to talk about Pat Robinson really quick. Yeah, this just needs to get. We need to talk about it. I'm sorry. Well, talk time about out. It. What was the name? Pat Robertson. Okay. What did I say? Robinson. Oh, where have you gone, Mrs. My Robinson? I, I was just Joe DiMaggio and whatever. Anyway. Oh, can you please, Mrs. Robinson? 
Jesus loves you more than you will know. We're going to get demonetized. Oh, that <laughs> happened to us one time on YouTube. We got a strike against our channel because I sang a song. <laughs> Dude, that's the hardest part is it's like nearly impossible to do this stuff because they're just so crazy. What secret song? secret what time song we was that? are on we are on uh, YouTube. It, it automatically goes out there. There's no video, it's just the audio. Chris Bingle takes care of that and, for and there's yeah. about it happens automatically. No, Chris, I'm sure Chris is up in his underwear on a Friday morning at three o'clock manually copying audio. No, files, that is so. that is all it's all automated. Automated thanks to our patrons. It's magical. <laughs> it's magical and it happens and it works great. Yes. So if you need to listen on YouTube, you can. But you can do it, yes. And if you're YouTube premium, you can mute it. We get like five views on those. Really? There's yeah. Like, there's like five people. And then I'll get, we'll get some spam comment that's just some nasty, horrible thing and I'll have to log in and delete, uh, delete some comment y- out. You can automatically port with that tool your Facebook videos to YouTube. That's very complicated. Wait, someday we'll you get way that. more viewers on YouTube. We would need to talk about that. Put on your Roku. We used to. I used to actually do that. I used to download every. Yeah, I used to download all the videos from. This Facebook is definitely a conversation that should be in the main and show. And upload them. So Pat Robertson, it was awful. Uh, he flashed weaponry on the 700 <laughs> Club today, Spangle. If you haven't seen the photo, <laughs> it is a great photo. I'm on Twitter and I'm like, why is Pat Robertson trending? He must have died. And then I wish I wish we could show you, but uh, the video is just hilarious of like him waving around weapons. <laughs> he's yeah, got a taser. He's got, and a, he's got a gun. Right. And Pat Robertson is so old; it's like a Beretta that he's waving around. <laughs> the police haven't used that since the Cold War. Yeah, you got to go look at that. He's just like he's ninety-seven at least, not a day over ninety-five. With like a horrible but, pancake makeup with his old fingers. This is old man hooks. He's taken the, uh, the, the <laughs> he looks like he's robbing. He's in like, it looks like he's in like a Mr. Rogers cardigan. And it's just yeah. like, it yeah. looks like he's trying to, to you s- don't have the, you know, I am pro police folks. I think we need the police. We need that's Ron Paul. Their service. <laughs> yeah, they do a good job. But Are they in the same if person? If they don't stop this onslaught, they cannot do this. You know, the the police in, in Virginia picked up a, a lieutenant in the Army and began <laughs> to give him trouble. And, and our, our, our state police are highly trained. What yes. At what point in life do you think you get that voice? 97. What? I mean, you, when, you, when you've when you lost, start making that. When you've lost Pat Robertson. Things are going badly. Things are going badly yeah. for you. I mean, it, it's... It, we're getting to a watershed moment where, uh, like, I'm. Police have a tough job. They have a damn near impossible very job. difficult job. And you can't. You, you you they're making judgment calls constantly, and it's a ninety nine point nine nine percent do everything great, and then something I, doesn't go well. I I think here's the thing. From a, it's like I said earlier about public government officials. When you have lawmakers and really a society that pushes those lawmakers to pass a law that criminalizes everything and regulates everything, look at this table. Is there anything on this table that the government's regulations do not touch? And I'm the, not sure they entirely understand Vegemite. Yes. Well, that should be regulated. I mean, <laughs> listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a free market guy, but get this shit out of here. Oh, excuse me. Um, so it's after eight o'clock. You can say, it okay, yeah. good. We're safe Harbor hours. Uh, Police are the ones who enforce those regulations. Police are the ones who enforce those laws. The federal, and the state. Eventually, the, any idea uh, that politicians put in place ends right. with a guy with a gun. And, 
Exactly. Rubber meets the road. They have to deal with it. If if there are not police officers, a politician is a person with a bad idea, a bad opinion. Right? They 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 have uh, everything is about the ability to force others to obey a law, and so when you have police officers that have the ability to pull someone over on a traffic stop because of an air freshener, you you have now created an escalation. All right, so you've you've now put the the citizen and the police officers in a position where they're in a life or death struggle over an air freshener and a warrant this guy had a uh warrant for two misdemeanors that were equally as obnoxious we have completely over criminalized everything in society um i forget the, exactly what they were but they were like traffic related i believe oh um they were they were not violent acts by any stretch of the imagination one of my favorite quotes from rex bell is we need to learn the difference between uh crime a bad habit and a nuisance yes yeah i mean and and a crime is when you violate someone else else's rights like if if i am sitting here berating dakota that is a nuisance that is morally wrong but once I put my hands on him once and I breach, or I breach that moment of contact, then I have committed a crime against him. And even then, you know, I think that uh, I think Portland, Oregon is one of the or I think Oregon in general is one of the last remaining states that still has mutual combat laws. <laughs> that should straight up be legal. Yeah. If I see you outside of a bar and I'm like, you want to fight? And you're like, yeah, I want to fight. <laughs> yeah, we should be able to fight. You do, you do, you. That listen. If Antifa and the Proud Boys want to go at each other, put them in a field and let's take care of this naturally. Let's put it on pay per view. Right. Yeah. Content yeah. immediately spangled. The mind always goes to content. I've been reading a lot about. How it. can we monetize it? I've been, been reading a the... lot about ancient and medieval history, and let me just say, when Rome had a problem with their politicians, they ended up exiled or somewhere else. And I don't one mean the... alive. <laughs> One like, of the things that I wanted to talk about is that every time that there's a situation with the police in this country, we get a lot of hashtag defund the police. And it's actually pretty common in libertarian circles to see yeah. defund the police out there. I'm curious as to what this group thinks, because I know that um, all three of us were uh, as active in the libertarian party. All of us were pragmatic. Yeah. I'm not active anymore. Uh, I think that I have an opposite opinion as to what most libertarians do on this issue because I'm totally opposite of defund the police. I actually think that we should fund the police more. I think that we need to start funding a lot more training for the police and how to deescalate and handle situations. And a lot of people say defund the police as in we need to take funds away from the police department. We need to hire uh, something akin to a social worker to come right. and handle like domestic situations and things like that. I'm saying we should train the police to just do that job, that part of their job better than what they are doing now. Yeah. I mean, there is, uh, I think it's like two to 500 hours for firearm training for a police officer and eight hours of deescalation training, you know, and training really does matter. And the way that we train police puts them in a no-win situation. It puts citizens in no-win situations. And let's just address the elephant in the room. Uh, populations that are wildly over, over-policed. Black citizens are over-policed uh, and are consistently harassed by police. And it, it's... So many it's, of the interactions an, are because of the war on drugs. It, that's it, the, it's that's exactly the, right. 
It, that's the driving factor. And, yeah. and, and the war on drugs. Singing at the outer edges. Yeah. I, I read this the, book. The war on drugs was all about cracking down on black people and hippies. I mean, that's why the Nixon administration did, did you started read the it. book, um, Charles Manson, the CIA, Charles Manson, and the secret history of the 1960s? No. So that's a really good book. And it touches a lot on this issue about like you, we hear a lot of these, uh, um, Terms like uh, systemic racism, institutional racism, things like that get thrown around on social media, Twitter, and by politicians all the time whenever these issues get brought up. That book really does a good job of kind of digging back into that time period when a lot of this was starting, post-Jim Crow era laws in the United States. And it it really talks about why policing started so much in in the inner cities why black people went to the inner cities to begin with. And then also about the CIA's role, the government's role in the drug problem in the inner cities. Yeah. Like talking about the real, do you know who the real Rick Ross is? Mm Mm-mm. Isn't that when you click on a thing, a music video, and then it turns into a, a, the? So that's a well, Rick. Ross. Well, we know like, <laughs> yeah, we know like <laughs> Rick Ross, the rapper, right? Uh, but the real, actual Rick Ross was a cocaine dealer, a crack cocaine dealer. Uh, I forget what city he was in, but he got in the middle of this thing all of a sudden between the local police department and then higher level government authorities. He was in the middle of dealing crack cocaine for the CIA. Yeah. And he had no idea. No, I mean, as and he kept same- getting arrested, kept getting released. He had no idea why he was being released, but the police department wasn't allowed to hold him because the CIA was using him to funnel crack cocaine into the United States. And he just thought that he was a real legit gangster and couldn't be touched. Was it blow where they're running cocaine for the, the CIA? Um, I think forget what the movie was. Uh, that, that happened a lot. I mean, and if you go back and look at Nixon's chief of staff's comments and Harper's uh, monthly in the early nineties, Ehrlichman said, that the entire reason that they started the war on drugs was because they they had a problem with the radical left and black the Black Panthers, and they wanted to they couldn't it literally like this is almost a direct quote we couldn't criminalize being black and we couldn't criminalize being a leftist so we started cracking down on drugs in those specific areas of town, and so they, that's why marijuana got its name. It, why that marijuana was never called marijuana. Uh-huh. The uh, it was tied back to um mexican immigrants mm, okay and they said mexican immigrants are bringing in this crazy drug it's right. called marijuana <laughs> right and they and uh it was william randolph hearst yeah came up with the name on his yeah. own popularized the name and that's why marijuana is illegal yeah i mean the so there's a ton to the war on drugs that when you get to defund the police when you get to black lives matter when you get to what happened over the last summer and the chauvin trial you Many of us who live in this area and in white communities don't have the same level of enforcement in our lives. We don't have the same considerations. Like Harry, Harry, my co-host is black, and it really sunk in for me when he's like, I never feel safe leaving the house because I don't know if I get stopped if I'm coming home. Harry is not like, Harry's the most responsible human being. Like, you know, that... that, It's weird for Harry to say something like that, too. Yes, he's not... Yeah, the the attitude is that oh well they are down there doing thing bad things and if they would just stop breaking the law it's like this this 
army veteran was driving with an air freshener. Like, at what point are you going to get that this isn't just about? They said just follow the law. And the to give a little bit of a backstory, if no one knows, the army lieutenant was actually he was driving in his vehicle. Um, it was a new vehicle. I think that this is right. It was a new vehicle. He didn't have the plates on it. Yeah, he had a paper plate that was taped to. He had two paper plates actually. One was taped to the side window. One was taped to the back window, and the police officer, it was dark outside, so he couldn't quite see it, so he decided to pull him over, which is fine. I've been pulled over in that same situation, and I, I understood it. The back window is tinted super dark on my truck whenever they pull me over. They had no idea that I had a license plate, and it definitely could be the same situation. The driver of the vehicle, the Army lieutenant, is like, he's thinking about his safety now. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to drive to a well-lit area. So he slows down below the speed limit, puts his blinkers on, and then drives to a gas station that is approximately a mile and a half away. The closest gas station, he pulls into a well-lit area. And then that's whenever it escalates. Because yeah. he police, didn't think he pulled over fast enough. He didn't comply hard enough. Yeah, because the police automatically saw he wasn't pulling over immediately. And just the dude immediately calls for backup. He seemed to be a new police officer. Yeah. Because did you watch the video? I didn't. In the video, um, the actual video that came out first is the second officer to arrive on the scene. It was a, it was a body cam, right? It was a body cam. Yeah, I've, I've seen like clips of it, but I haven't watched. The yeah, he thing. was actually the second officer that arrives on the scene. Immediately gets aggressive. Immediately starts yelling at him. Get out of the car automatically. Both officers have their guns drawn, and the dude has both of his hands stuck out the window. And he's like, "What did I do wrong?" asking him what he did wrong and the second officer kept telling the the um the stopping officer the one that started to make the uh started the whole interaction pulling him over he he kept telling him to get out of the way like back up for a second back up for a second like telling him to leave and you could tell that the first guy was super uncomfortable with everything that was going on the first officer just kept giving him a look that was like, you've taken it too far, but was seemed anxious to say anything to him. Yeah. And then just starts pepper spraying the dude in his face. And he says, I'm, he's like, the way you're acting right now, I'm legitimately scared to get out of my car. And right. he says, you should be. <laughs> yeah. I heard about it. And it, the thing about him driving to, I was, I, I can remember things back in elementary school, we had police officers come, they did like the dare program and stuff. And that's something that you get told is a hundred percent okay to do is yeah. if you're, if you're being pulled over and you're in a dark area and you're uncomfortable with where you are, slow down, turn your blinkers on. That way they know you're aware that they're there and drive slowly to a well lit place because there are fake cops that will pull you over in the middle of a dark area and you turn the lights on, just counting you. But like I saw the video, I was like, he even pulled over in such a way that like he was looked like he was near a gas station. Like he pulled over to the edge of the gas station. So all the lights were on his side of the car I was like, so he did everything that I had been told is okay to do. So he, yeah, it was, it was yeah, something but you're, else. You're he white. Was like, and, and here's the thing. He's like, like, man, he kept telling the officer, he's like, man, my seatbelt's on. I don't want to put my hand in the car and put my seatbelt on and right. get my seatbelt off right now. And he's like, just, he's just kept telling him, put your hands out of the car and get out of the car. Right. 
with your seatbelt on. But he can't get out yeah. of the car. Right. He's like, my seatbelt is on. I, like, I take I, your seatbelt off. He's like, I'm not putting my hands where you can't see them. I think a lot of people who read a lot about critical race theory ought to just talk to one of their black friends about how they feel in those situations and try to understand that perspective. Because I think that video is very indicative of not only like the thought that goes into getting pulled over, the care with which the person acts when they're pulled over, and then the way they're still treated by the police officer. And this officer did get fired. Yeah. And then you Thank have God. the case where the, the police officer somehow, which is what Robertson was talking about, mistook her, her taser, her gun for a taser, which is almost impossible. But, you know, and it, it, it is different. Was it yellow? It, it, they're making tasers black now, like guns, which is insane. But the, the the conversation around policing, it's not a matter of, uh, and police officers feel unfairly targeted. And I don't think that that's totally fair. I think that the thin blue line has to crumble. It's starting to crumble with the Chauvin trial. You're seeing the police come up and just sandbag and bury this guy for improper procedure for murder. And that never would have happened in some of these other cases, like the woman in Texas who mistakenly said, oh, I went to the wrong apartment. The wrong or, floor apartment. Right. Like, that's that stuff, the, the, the rallying around the bad apple, of which Chauvin, from his background, seemed to be, um, you just, there, there isn't, you get this in, in all of the public sector employment. Like, in teachers, when you talk about teachers' unions, don't hear... I don't like the way as a citizen and taxpayer, my arrangement is set up with the teachers union teachers here. You hate teachers. And that's largely because of propaganda from the teachers unions. It's the same with police. And so instead of having like a a conversation about how the police are interacting at a large scale with the citizens, they're, they're closing ranks. They're closing circles. That's the wrong reaction. You know, and it, the root of the cause is all those laws that get passed. But there has to be a change in policing. Is it defund the police? I listen in a completely anarchist society. There's still going to be police. If you have no government in a t- completely libertarian society, it doesn't mean that there are no laws. It doesn't mean that there are no police. You will still have laws. You will still have police and law enforcement of different types. You will just be able to voluntarily contract with those people and and consent to the laws by which you're governed. It's not anarchy, right? Um, and when you try to say to police, you're governing us in an incorrect way, the answer from grandstanding politicians and from police is it, it's immature. No, it's a middle finger to your face. And, and it's like... People are just not going to stand for it anymore. Like it's, sometimes you got to change. Sometimes the system does work correctly, though. I'm, I'm a little hazy on the details, yeah, but we, I know we had an issue in Henry County last a, summer. Yeah, there was an arrest last summer um, with a local officer, and he had the guy cuffed. He had the guy sitting on the curb, and then my understanding is that it's rough. So I'm not. I wasn't there. I remember hearing about this. He just started hitting the guy for like no reason, and they, he was cooperating. The guy was sitting on the curb, and the other officer stopped him, reported it. And he was fired. Yeah. He's gone. And he was, and he was not an officer that was like, he, um, that was his track in life. Like I knew him younger and that was his, he was like in kind of like the scouts of police 
when he was younger and had been received awards and was getting extra training and stuff that it was like done. He was just out. And I was, I don't know who the officers were that like were there and said something, but I was like, they need to be applauded because yeah. the issue, like you're mentioning that this, this, the second officer comes in and just takes over the one just watching them. And it's kind of, they, that's who needs to stand up yeah. and say stuff because that's the biggest issue. And I, and I get upset when I see some people, and I saw, you know, I saw the meme that was shared around by somebody that said, like, what happens when all the good officers leave? Are they should be mad at the public? They should be mad at the uh, the officers that are doing the job poorly. Was, he, the The first officer kept just trying to butt in and yeah. go in, like, yeah. "Hey, man, let's have a conversation. And I'll tell you why I pulled you over." You should, and then yeah, keep the other trying. dude just kept going, "Get out of the way." Like yeah. just pushing yeah. them out. It, it, it's it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the the hazing, yeah. right? Yep. So it's it, you don't tease and haze, not like violently, like just jokingly haze new people for no reason. You do it to enforce the workplace norms because you have no real power over those people, and it's basic group dynamics. And so if you don't have citizens from the outside of the profession going, you aren't a regular citizen as a police officer. You are the vanguard of the state. You are the person that is enforcing the state's interaction with its citizenry. You are of a different class and not a special elite class that gets different privileges, but one that is more susceptible to be policed by citizens because you are protecting rights and protecting rights is the main duty of, of the, the police officer of the government. And, you know, in, in Dakota's case, you know, and, and what we were talking about at his workplace where he's become the old man kind of yelling at, at young, younger employees and me being kind of a mid-level guy at my company and having working with newer people, you're, you're setting the standards. You're not the boss, but you're saying you can't act this way in this workplace because if you act this way, the team is not efficient. The team is not successful. You will not get ahead. If you act this way, you're going to put maybe lives in jeopardy if you're in a situation like Dakota or you're going to put a multi-million dollar brand in jeopardy because there's millions of eyeballs watching us. You don't get to act this way. And if police officers don't start stepping up and saying, we serve and we protect, and we don't just let other people get away because the public is against us and all this bullcrap victimhood narrative that comes from specifically the conservative side, but on the left, there's a lot of victimhood too. It's like, that's not what any of this is about. It's about you failing your duty as the vanguard of the state to protect this person's rights. The citizen in that video is more important than the police officer because the police officer has the greater burden of responsibility to make sure that citizen gets out of this. Okay. And Shame on the politicians for passing laws that allow them to pull people over for dumb reasons like having an air freshener in their window. But ultimately, that's on the ultimate vanguard of protecting rights, the citizen. The people of Newcastle are the ones who get to get in their fa- in the politicians' faces and say, we don't want windmills. We don't want the doughboy moved. We, don't- the- we made fun of that stuff, but that's exactly what the stuff that's supposed to be ha- happening. But it happens for dumb reasons like the Doughboy. It doesn't happen when Dakota's property taxes go up thousands of dollars. So people just kind of shrug. So this is a con- is a great segue. It's like you're professional at this, Thank Chris. You. House Bill 1381 uh, was is the bill that was dealing with home rule. 
and energy, solar and wind farms. Right. Uh, Betsy Mills, Susan Hume, Bobby Plummer were all on here about a month ago. It had passed the House. It was on a fast track to, to becoming law, uh, got into the Senate, got modified. Uh, and then <laughs> very interesting comments from Senator Mark Messer uh, about the bill as it uh, as it got modified. And then eventually it's died uh, and it's dead and it's not going to be coming through in its current form. Yep. Mark Messmer said that the bill did a complete 360. It went from taking taking authority away from local governments on the positions of uh, renewable energy sources, such as windmills and solar farms. And it went the opposite direction and wound up protecting the role of local governments in these positions. So it, it kind of reinforced home rules. So the, the conversation that, that the, the, the three elected officials that were on this show a month ago uh, brought forward was they told us, the state told us, we have to defeat this at our local level. We have, to, we have the authority at the local level. The state can't do anything about it. You have to do it locally. The House General Assembly, the Republican-led General Assembly, said there's investment that's not coming to these communities. We have a patchwork of laws and rules. We're going to take control at the state level, and we're going to tell you how to do it. And that's when they raised their hand and said, no, local control means local control. Yeah, remember control, what you told rules. us? Yeah. So that's, that's the fight that's been, that's been happening. And it's, it's comical to me to see the – I've tried to explain to people outside of the listening range of this audience – the absolute deep fervor of the anti-wind. <laughs> it's truly it, it, odd. It has ended the political careers <laughs> of every elected official. Every county commissioner has been completely removed. Almost the entire county council, one cycle, it was entirely remade. You, you saw Trump start to get into that towards the you, end of his presidency and really milk that before the election. And it's, it's a there is a, it, the state just barely started to nibble at it and got, it, it was like reaching your hand into a, 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 a tank full of piranhas yeah. and they just start t- chunking at you that they got a taste of it. It is, it is a, what is the uh, phenomenal political power? Like what? It's the third rail of rural politics. Well, you're going to ask why? What, yeah. You're going to ask why the best argument that I've ever heard against, because there are all these arguments about like, uh, they say there's health issues related to it. It kills the birds. Uh, right. That's all by every major actual peer-reviewed science is a load. Right. And But the actual best argument I've ever heard came from Betsy Mills. And she said, we don't want them here because they're going to put them in places. It's opportunity where, cost. Where potential development could happen. Mm. An expansion so in the county. You and are- because of setbacks you couldn't develop that land. Right. So, so you have all this lucrative farmland off of three here in Indiana that you put up a bunch of windmills and then all of a sudden you can't put warehouses by 70 by 69. Right. Retail housing. You're, you're eliminating as say, as Indianapolis is continuing to grow North and East, we have I 69 and I 70 right right here. I 69 misses Henry County by about five inches. Right. It's, it comes right to here. We are essentially have, we have three interstate interchanges now, potentially one more on 70 is on the master plan. And we're very close to having one up at I 69 in the Middletown area, Mm -hmm. which is known for their lamb fries, by the way, if you listen to Patreon. (laughs) Yeah. But that is not why Bertha 
war Betsy in the middle of the country. It like the, so a, a lot of the folks have a not in my backyard attitude. Right. They don't want to look at it. There's some jealousy between landowners that are going to make some money and others. Gotcha. There, there is there a, you go. there is a now balance. We're, now we're cooking with there, gas. There is a balance between my property and what I can decide versus the conversation of, well, only 10% of the people are going to benefit. So I, I'm not getting mine. I'm yes. Not, I'm, you're right. So you've got, you it's have, always economic jealousy. And have, I still have to stare at it partially. Some, like when jealousy. my, when my grandmother in Plainfield, Indiana, Cracker Barrel moved in and I 70 put up a giant Cracker Barrel sign. She could see it from her yard and was outraged by it. So now yeah. there neighbor, is, there neighboring are, counties have real it. quick. There are some legitimate issues with like shadow flicker. Right. Like that's a real problem. There are if nuisances. you've ever driven by, uh, like Shenandoah, Shenandoah High School has a windmill right now, and the house it's like is a two-third scale it, one that is one single one for the school. They have to have whenever the sun is rising in the east, and the shadow is hitting the houses from the windmill. Mm. Those people cannot have their windows open because it's just whoa. you get a whoa. you get a pulsating you, shadow flicker. Yeah, but you nailed it. It's one group of people doesn't want their neighbor to get richer than them. So they don't want to create a town of have have and have nots and they're the have nots. They don't want that. But you have politicians that are saying that we're dying as a community and we have to attract investment. And here's somebody that's going to make a payment or say, here, here's a $50 million taxable investment in your community. Do you want it? Right. There's a lot of, there's a, it's an incredibly complicated onion. There's also subsidies at every level. The state says you have to have a certain amount of it. The utility providers are desperate to, to get it. You're potentially going to be giving you're giving tax breaks to the uh, to the to the people that are going to invest in the community. Okay, so the state the state basically said we don't care what the locals want. We want you to put these in, and the locals bit their hand off. Yes, gotcha. Yes, okay, yeah. And Mark Mesmer actually said, "What happens? Same thing as always happens. It flew through the house before people realized what happened. It switches sides, and the and the senators' phones blew up." Mark Mesmer said, "We gave these people everything they wanted." And they still hated it. Yeah. And then yeah. he said, uh, he it was said like a hostage like, situation with a, with a, uh, schizophrenic, schizophrenic hostage taker. And then they still killed them. They still killed them. That, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, we, met, we met all their demands, but they still killed the hostage. That's what he said. <laughs> it, 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 it's politics is a thankless job. This is why you just, you're better off not trying to plan things centrally, central planning, because you can't predict accurately what that population wants or doesn't. The best way to predict it is through the price system. What are people willing to pay for something or not pay for it? Dan Crenshaw had a really good point um, last week. And he said, everyone gets upset whenever Washington is gridlocked. But he said, the decisions that we make in Washington, D.C. affect the entire 330 million people that live in this nation. So it's not a bad thing. If we can't get things ironed out perfectly. Yeah. And that's just kind of how this worked. I, you know, I'm not upset that this bill is dead because it just would add more confusing language onto the books that the planning commissions would have to figure out. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I would, no, I would, here's the dirty secret decisions being made at the local level. They are actively building them. If you take state road 36 uh, East across the Northern part of the County, uh, in the, uh, just over yeah, the border they, they, in Randolph not, County. They're not in they're, Henry County, but you building can them. see them from Henry County. Uh, we were on Summit Lake. Yeah. And <laughs> from Summit Lake, there are now 10 windmills that you can 
clearly see from from the lake in Henry County. They're they're on the doorstep. But who cares? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> they're in the yeah, view, man. That's the strangest thing. Is like visually, I don't care. Um, I'll point out. You can go driving some off, you know, back in some county roads, and you'll find some uglier old barns or just old farm equipment that's been left out. And then now people are kind of digging in on solar. And the one thing I keep getting mad about, they're like, well, they're getting rid of prime farmland. I'm like, well, that's a farmer's decision. What's prime farmland? All of this. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. So you do, go ahead. It's, it's exactly no. right. Chris. It, it, people think they have, they get to decide what somebody else does on their property. Yeah. And that's a very real issue for Liberty. And they don't want the and, and property demands that you don't get to decide what somebody else does on their property. The other part of this, it, it comes down to climate change. Baby boomers specifically, have grown up on this idea that climate change is completely fake. And that, and large, a lot of that was completely funded by big oil and, and energy people who a didn't want their it business. It's the fault that there was really bad science, though. At yeah, one point but in time, that was saying it's, the it's, world is that we're going to see another ice age. Right. By like, and if you study history, the, like the, the history of Britain is just full of fluctuations. But the reality is that. If if you admit that climate change is real and you admit that you, you see what's happening for real in places like Venice, Italy, which isn't going to exist in 25 years, or you look at the ice caps. All they have to do is build the stilts higher, dude. Ad- It'll be fine. <laughs> admitting. <laughs> you can fix anything with more construction money. But admitting that that is real means you might have to water your grass differently or not at all. It means you might have to change the type of car that you drive. It might mean that you as a person who are... 65 years old and have lived a certain way and have gained a certain level of comfort might have to change and admit that maybe your world that you built isn't exactly right and not functioning well. And that is the, um, the permanent anger at millennials towards boomers is that they don't yeah. want to change. They don't want to adjust and they won't retire. So we can't move up and make the same income. Like go watch city slickers. I just watched city slickers. This is the <laughs> first place I'm debuting this rant. It is the most boomer movie I've ever seen. I love it. It's a great movie. It's, it's super made, funny. It, it's made before when boomers were your age though, buddy, but it's Billy crystal living in a beautiful apartment in a job as a radio salesman that does not exist anymore, let me tell you. And he's he can afford a two-week vacation out in the woods with his friends. He's got all this money, this great, beautiful lifestyle, and he's bitching about all of it it's because like he's married unhappy. With, married with children? Yes. Where Al Bundy is a shoe salesman? It's worse than that. He's got a job that no longer exists because his economy killed that that career, and he's mad about all of it. It just... It, it, ticked me off because you're bitching about a life that millennials can never achieve because of your generation. We are the same age. Don't you point at me when you have this. Yeah, but you're please. (laughs) You're the most boomer. I know you had a Columbia vest on at dinner. You really did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's fast. Well, it's, it's like it's the fast program. <laughs> well, it's like the people that are trying to, I'm always like, what is, what's Kevin McAllister's dad doing home alone that he can just afford to like, right. his, you know, his family just flies off to vacation every Christmas and, and France. Takes, takes all of them. Yeah. It takes them all to France. I don't like, know why all these kids are doing pyramid schemes. Oh, I don't know because we, two incomes aren't doing it for everybody anymore because you inflated the currency, not for nothing, but he's like on his eighth camper. So don't tell me you're not a boomer when you're on like a, your eighth camper over here. How many garages do you have full of boats? I have, <laughs> I have one garage for my Navy. It has uh, two See? two boats without board motors and two uh, two kayaks. Us the, millennials and some, the, and some inflatables. That is not the Navy. It's the Big Blue River Coast Guard. <laughs> <laughs> Better than your Beezer Creek Coast Guard. I'll tell you that. I can. 
within 14 steps from my house, I can get into Elliott Run and go all the way to the Ohio River if I just keep paddling south. Just ride the ties from just the Wyoming State going. sewers. Just keep don't yeah. don't pick anything up that's floating, but you can get all the way to the Ohio River right from, right from Elliott Run. <sighs> Fascinating. All right, you know who would tell you that you can get to the Ohio River from Elliott Run? A boomer. Yeah, because nobody true. else would care. The rest of us are working trying to survive. Are you are you through? I feel better now. <laughs> uh, hey Zach. Yeah. Ready for final thoughts? Man, I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to de just, just process all that. Are you still starstruck by Spangle sitting over there? No, I'm not. I'm not starstruck. He's I can. Not, I, I, I ask him a million questions though, because I'm like, I'm a huge like Bob and Tom fan. And well, let's like, ask yeah. away. These are your final he, thoughts. This not, is your time. He's not starstruck. He came up and introduced himself to I did me once. You. At, at a Bob and Tom event, and he goes, "Hi, I'm Dakota's neighbor." <laughs> yeah, that's because that's that's who I was at the time. And then, like, that's not even the most awkward relationship I have with anybody. Um, Grace was handing out water at the mini a couple years ago, and I said, "Hey, Grace," but because I was running, it sounded like uh, the principal from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off when the when the Grace, the, yeah, it was like Grace. And I was like, oh, I'm never, that's, that's a horrific moment in my life that I'll never forget. But you, got but to, I, I, but you I, met her later. I met her later and I said, oh yeah. And I think I messaged, I think I was chatting on when she was on the show and I was like, oh yeah, that's me. And I don't, she, she acted like she remembered me. I don't know if she did or not. I doubt many people shouted her name that were running by that day. I, I hear, I can answer the questions because I already know what you're going to ask. I'm gonna, but yes, Tom is that weird off air. Yes. I, chick really does flash her park. Yes. Christy Lee is the nicest person and B, Josh Arnold does not eat as much as you think. So I know a bunch of that because I listen to hey. enough of this stuff. <laughs> well, you know, I, what I like, what happened to Bob? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. You know what? The poor Spangle has to help run a group on Facebook, and there are a lot of boomers in it because that was the fan base at one point. And there are still people, at least once or twice a year, somebody <laughs> comes in that group and says, What happened to Bob? And you're like, you're not a fan. So here's why it bothers me is that there were people who did it after he left to be a jerk. Yeah. To the thousandth Which degree. Which is incredibly yeah. disrespectful to, to everybody that's there that's making it I mean, a fantastic Vibbert, program. Poor Vibbert and I have PTSD from those years, like running the social media, because people people say to to avatars in entertainment things that they would never say to a person if they're sitting across from them. And usually the person reading that is not the person that like, I don't know, it's, I'm not going to complain about my job because I'm not in any <laughs> danger, right? Like I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a, a hard job. I have a great, great career. Um, but I just say this, like people who are in the public eye do not need your bad day taken out on them. And I'm not just talking about me, but like, I just see the way that like people talk to some others and it's just like, What? But yeah, that's that's my rant. Like, try that's my final what, thought: is be role, nice to famous. people. What role are you going to have on the Ms. Pat show? Are you on BET? Are you going to be like the the white kid neighbor? Uh, no, I am. In, are you? You're not in. No, I'm not. Dion and I are not in the Ms. Pat show. We're hoping for a cameo in episode or in season two. I'm sure there will be a season two because from what I've seen, the show is going to be amazing. Um, if you don't know, I'm a uh, co-host on the Pat Down with Miss Pat. It's the funniest podcast on the planet. Like, <clears throat> way funnier than this. <clears throat> um, just, so go check just, that out. It just hurts. Yeah. It just hurts deep down. All right. If people want to uh, follow more of the Weird Libertarians, of course, you guys know this voice because if you're listening to the podcast, Chris is literally the first thing you hear when you push plays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's the very first thing that people hear. And you press that 
15 seconds then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Then you <laughs> skip forward. Go to chris-spangle.com. You can find all my different projects from the pat down, my work, and and my the Chris Spangle show. And uh, make sure you go to historyofmodernpolitics.com and sign up for the email. That's, that's the new that, one. That's the new one. That is for the wall patrons. Six to nine months in advance, you're going to get a twice a month history show. Where basically what Matt Whitliff and I have been talking about for five years, six years, is you can't truly understand modern politics if you don't understand history. And we initially wanted to define libertarianism, conservatism, and progressivism. And the more we kept like working backwards, like, all right, 1994 isn't far enough. So like we're starting at 8094 <laughs> and like working our way forward and eventually ending with like, okay, so where did gun rights and all those arguments start? You know, but we're starting basically with like I the mean, development you of You don't want to zoom through it too fast. You're going to be like, oh shit. We're at current day, and there was all this. It, it's no. like the show's over. We literally have four. Our outline is 53 pages already. We've been working on this for a year. Um, it's going to start is, next month. This is how you chose to spend your pandemic. No, literally. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, my goal this year is to read two books a month. Um, I think I listen to, I, I probably listen to 30 minutes of podcasts a week because I'm reading so much right now. And it's been that way for a year. I mean, I'm, I've been. I'm reading four books on antiqu- antiquity right now. I just finished three books on medieval history. Um, I've, I mean, I've read Bede from 700 AD. Like I'm uh, like we've put a ton you, of work into this. Are, are you still uh, Are you still holding paper books? Are you uh, Kindle yeah. reading now? No, I do both. Library uh, or you're buying or have you re- all of it, baby? Reacquired, it, baby. Reacquired a book collection again. Uh, oh yeah, you had it pared down to nothing. For I had it pared down to nothing when, and I regret that. I now have. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bookshelves, six feet tall, and they're double stacked. So I probably have four thousand books in my apartment. One uh, past episode of your show that was it was an oddball episode. It was a different one. Was when you interviewed the guy in Dallas. Oh yeah, <laughs> that is people should listen to that because one, it's fascinating because the JFK assassination is a fascinating thing to go into. Yeah, yeah that was. But then, episode. if you when you pay attention to where he's talking about the people. And that guy's memory yeah. was like Donald Davidson esque. If you're a 500 fan, it turned per- and then you're like, yeah. you get done with it, and you're like, well, that was really interesting. I learned a whole bunch of stuff, and your view of the government as you know it changes yeah. because you realize it's like the same 12 people. Yeah, <laughs> he's talking about the same people then that are involved now, and it, it's because it's kind of weaved in, and you get you're like, you're like, no, no, they're not. What? And, but it's it was if that was a great listen. And it, like and the JFK is an interesting thing. But yeah, that's an interesting listen just to listen to. One, his all of his theories and what he knew about it, and then how he can weave all the people into the story as well. Was, I, I could have talked to Robin for four more hours. It was it a three hour. It there was, was some relation with that guy to the CIA. Oh, Whenever oh. Uh, Lee Harvey, we should not get into this. no no hey, no hey, yeah Chris, so go it's two years yeah, for, two years yeah, ago go, it was so like october november it was when i interviewed him about the kennedy assassination he tried to stop he's like am i talking too much you're like no just keep going no man <laughs> it's, it's this texas southern like he could tell a story like we literally like yeah. sp- booked a 30 minute tour and spent eight hours with the guy because he was yeah. so fascinating you ruined the rest of his day no he, he does was, this all could, the time you could tell he was having the best time just telling the story just figuring out how in depth he could go. I had to get to the airport. I was almost late and I had to pee that entire interview. And I just wanted to, I just had to pee. Yep. That's all I, I know think what about. it is. The dude that assassinated Lee Harvey Oswald. J- 
Jack Ruby. Right. Jack Ruby. Allegedly. Was then sent. He was. <laughs> Sorry, I've been listening too much Hinterasi. He was given a yeah. psychological evaluation yeah. by the doctor that was in charge of Project MK Ultra. Yeah. And whenever he came out, he is whenever he started speaking the gibberish about uh, <laughs> imprisoning the Jews and all that yes. stuff. Yeah. So the, the Kennedy, there's a great book called A Cruel and Shocking Act About the Warren Commission. And it's not a conspiracy book. It's by a really great journalist. But, you know, you read that book and then you read about, like, Cy, Cy Hirsch's book, Reporter, his autobiographies, the guy who came out with the My Lai Massacre and a bunch of stuff about Bush. Like, you read books about that period, like the one you mentioned earlier. There's this one guy that worked for the CIA. I think it was James something. He was like the number three in command at the CIA at the time. And like this guy pops up in Watergate. He pops up in the Kennedy assassination. He pops up in Me Massacre. He pops up like he he's like this one dude who kind of like the government is way smaller than you think. Like people think it must be super hard to get into some of the upper echelons of some of these places. But it's like it's like being in politics here. Just show up. Be consistent. If you want to be a he's always there. If you want to be a top libertarian podcast like the Chris Spangle Show, you don't have to be good. You just have to keep doing just it. You have to day. outlast when everybody else goes to jail. It's exactly right. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and it's just, but yeah, cruel and shocking act. If you want to start anywhere, because it's not like, it's it's like a good place to start with the official story, but it's not like trying to tell you what to think. But that Robin interview is great. It's such a fascinating tale. Like, there's so many different things. Like, I was convinced after talking with him that LBJ did it. The CIA did it. Then he recommended a documentary. I went and watched that. I'm like, no way, man. Castro did it. And the Cuban, like there's, there's just so many plausible, so many theories. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but then you listen to cruel and shocking act. You're like, maybe the double bullet theory could have happened, but like even Arlen Specter was kind of like final, "Mm." final thoughts from uh, D squared over here. I have nothing. I'm good now. We've, you've covered, you covered what you worried about. Uh, I have a complaint. COVID pandemic is like 13 months old. Had enough. We were at, we were at pizza King. Right. And the damn touch tunes on state road three on state road three (laughs) is turned off because of the COVID pandemic. The app based DJ machine karaoke. No, no, no. it's an old touch tunes. You, you can't access it on your phone. No, this, they need to give you still has a coin slot. Don't get in the way of a, of a joke. This is dumb. This is this is who has stupid. coins. This is there are things that when you go places that are unnecessarily shut down still that don't need to be. They are an excuse. Yes. It's the we don't take this. You go into a right. place and it says we won't take cash because of COVID. Right. We won't not take cash because of COVID. We had to fire it's you whatever, because of COVID. It's whatever we don't want to do. COVID right. is going to be our excuse. Yes. We have gotten to this point. Am I? I'm not making this. No. Up. And if you don't start saying why isn't the touch tunes open? It's going to stay shut down forever. This it's, is, this it's is just, where the lockdown people were it's, right. It's last. just as easy for the employees to say we don't broke. do that anymore. It's probably just broke and they don't want to pay to have it fixed. We'll, just blame, we'll just blame people. Blame it on COVID. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I can't pay. I, my, my card's broken. I don't want you touching it. I got COVID. Let's see how, how, how that lasts. All right. We can't let this show go on without reminiscing for just a moment. Three years ago, three of the four people at this table brought a city together <laughs> to give a bird a funeral. That's right. Three years ago this week, Dakota, the Newcastle Turkey. Rest in peace. It's over. There, there was a monument. The, the, the Facebook memory came came yesterday of the uh, of of the of the. This is also the third anniversary of my odometer hitting eight zero zero eight five 
on I-69. So I hit boobs on I-69. Boobs. Flip it over. <laughs> Did you not have a calculator in... Bob Coyne was proud. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you sent that to some people at the time. All right. That's all. Next week, uh, we have a very special guest booked. I have not reconfirmed, but I believe we have Joan Orivitz on next week, nice. uh, formerly of ESPN, author of the uh, of the Split book. Uh, it's uh, getting ready to come out. And uh, I think also uh, a book on uh, the history of PacWest racing, which uh, which is fascinating as well. We will uh, <laughs> to, to who? <laughs> <laughs> it's the big the biggest deal is is definitely going to be the split book. It is it is politics. It's everything. But he also has another book that I feel like we probably ought to promote. We'll see y'all next week. Thank you for listening to the Boss Hog of Liberty, which is part of the We Are Libertarians Network. I am Chris Spangle, and I am the founder of this network. And I invite you to listen to all of our shows, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com or by searching for these in your podcatcher. The flagship show is the We Are Libertarians podcast, where we apply libertarian principles to current events. The Brian Nichols Show is a conversation amongst Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents, as they talk about what is happening in the news. And we have many other podcasts like The Chris Spangle Show, Upward, The Cost, Raw Audio Politics, Miranda's World, and Tad Talk, which is quite a ride. So check all of these out. Go to WeAreLibertarians.com and you can check out all of our great podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at WeAreLibertarians.com.